Hey, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. This is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we're broadcasting, as we always do, from the city and the country, Poway, California. Thanks for joining us on a magnificent hump day. Um, hope your week is going well. Um, boy, we're, uh, we're going to get into a bunch of topics today. We're going to talk about Joe Biden and the Afghanistan war. We're going to talk about Bernie Madoff passing away. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of kind of a, a kind of a hodgepodge of topics. But the theme, the, the sort of weaves all of this together is the notion of overcoming adversity. Um, and I've been kind of feeling that probably mostly in the last I'd say maybe 24 to 36 hours. There's just been a number of pieces of news that have been broadcast or have been, you know, have come up in my life and, you know, it's been a little bit of difficulty and I've been thinking about overcoming adversity and I saw how all of this was linking to current events. And I just thought this would be kind of a fun discussion, you know, in a way, maybe a learning lesson. I'll share with you some of my own lessons along the way. But, you know, uh, we, we like to talk about pursuing our happiness, but, you know, life sometimes can be difficult. Sometimes there are struggles and sometimes we have obstacles thrown in our way. And, and when we leap over those obstacles and still achieve success, well, that's what makes us a better person. And actually, often, often how, how do I say this? Um, by by having success in the face of challenge by having that success where you come out the victor in a lot of cases that's a great way to build self-esteem and ultimately a great way to build your own happiness so we're going to be talking a lot about that today so you know we're live streaming and that means we're on facebook we're on youtube we welcome your thoughts and comments on the live stream feel free to type those in of course the recorded version we share on all the popular audio audio only podcast platforms you know, as they say, wherever you get your podcasts, you know, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, you know, Listen Live. We're on all those platforms, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. So um, I welcome you to you know be sure to follow us and, and subscribe to us on all those platforms. That'd be so helpful. OK, so let's get into this. And there's really kind of four, I guess, little micro chapters in this episode. And the first one is, is you ever been in those situations where, you know, you're trying so hard to get something done, but there's like constant friction and it's, it just feels forced and, and you just can't quite get it done. And it's like all the, the forces in the world are against you and you feel like you're rolling a boulder up a hill. Um, maybe you've had some of these circumstances and, you know, I, I know I feel that way in a lot of things. I often joke with others. It's the old square peg round hole syndrome, you know, where you're forcing a solution where one doesn't really fit. Well, I think a great example of this is what's happening now with Joe Biden, President Joe Biden's announcement that he's going to withdraw troops from the Afghanistan war. And oh, my God, this has taken 20 years. This this war has been going on so long. It's the longest war in the history of the United States. It's largely a foolish war. Um, I, frankly, when, when the war happened, I remember, remember back at 9-11, everyone was so angry when the Twin Towers in New York City came down and, and the airplane crashed into the Pentagon. And, you know, we were in lockdown. I mean, those were some 
pretty crazy times in American history. And actually, it's 2021, right? So um, on 9-11, which is the date that Joe Biden wants to actually formally remove all the troops, that'll be exactly the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Wow. That'll be a podcast episode in itself. But um, it's amazing that we've been fighting in this war for 20 years. It's also... Well, actually not 20. We didn't immediately go and fight against Afghanistan, but it was within a month or two, right? After 9-11 that they began the attacks there. It made sense to me to retaliate against Afghanistan. You know, they were a training ground for the Al-Qaeda terrorists, but a 20-year ground war, did that make sense at all? I mean, I once the war even dragged on more than a few months, more than a year, I was I was questioning it. Like what's our what's the point? You know, what are we trying to accomplish here? Didn't the terrorists that bombed us in 9/11 come from Saudi Arabia? You know, why are we attacking Afghanistan? And yeah, sure they had training um facilities for the terrorists, but we're not really at war with the Taliban. It was it was very confusing, but it just seemed like back in the, that time, we were just so angry to punch back, and uh, so so anxious to retaliate. And Afghanistan, in, to some degree, became a convenient scapegoat. But the war just kept dragging on and on and on. And we get into you know the George W. Bush presidency, and he was fighting Afghanistan. Then he started the war in Iraq and, and it was messy out there, remember? And then Obama's elected in 08. And then what does he do? He expands the Afghanistan war. He had the Afghan surge and started moving troops out of Iraq, you know, good job. But he put them in Afghanistan and made that war even more aggressive. And it's a war that just seems unwinnable, right? It's, I mean, how many large nations have gone into Afghanistan and have failed. I mean, we all know about Russia. You know, that wall went down right around the time of the 1980 Olympics. Remember, we boycotted the Olympics in Moscow in 1980 because of the um, the Soviet incursion into Afghanistan. But I know an earlier, prior to that, I think England, like the British army went into Afghanistan and failed. The Russian army went into Afghanistan and failed. But yet we were mired in Afghanistan for the longest time. And it felt similar to what I was saying. It was this forced solution. I mean, there really wasn't a solution. Like what was the definition of victory? What, What was the finish line where we could say we win? It was never really defined. You know, wondering what the mission was, but they still kept fighting in Afghanistan, losing untold lives of not just American soldiers, but of soldiers and, frankly, innocent civilians in Afghanistan died as a result. And God knows how much money we spent there. But it ultimately was like a case of, you know, you're fighting the fight over and over again and never really getting to a solution. At some point, you got to say, what are we doing here? You know, it's it's one of these unsolvable things. It's one of these things where no matter how hard you try, you can't get to that resolution. And how do you deal with that? And maybe we've experienced things like that in our own personal lives. I mean, heck, I'm going through a bit of a situation like this with one of my clients. One of my clients is a large corporation and their corporation, their parent company merged with another parent company. And you know what happens when there's a corporate merger. It's it's all about friction. It's all about leaders kind of jostling for um, 
for fiefdoms, <laughs> leaders trying to gain power, especially when there are multiple people in similar roles. Who's going to win? Who's going to survive? Who's going to come out the loser in this whole process? And then sometimes the team that ends up getting control after a merger, they set the direction of the company. And sometimes you can you can go along with it or you can keep fighting it. And if you keep fighting it, you're probably going to lose. It's hard. It's sometimes solutions, you know, sometimes you have to understand that the solution that you're trying to achieve may just frankly not be possible under the current circumstances. And so, you know, it's, it's almost, I, I liken it like to uh, imagine you're a salmon and you're trying to swim upstream and you're going against the tide, going against the flow. Or in another case, you know, you're like that guy rolling a boulder up a hill. And you're going it alone. And it's just so damn hard. Maybe you've experienced things like this. Again, I enjoy your comments and thoughts here on the live stream. Feel free to feel free to share them. But one of the things that I'll give President Biden credit for is he's basically accepting reality. He's just understanding it's time to come home. You know, it's time to bring these troops home. Now, granted, I think didn't Trump negotiate something where they were going to come home in May, I think, which is, gosh, that's only in a few weeks. Now, Biden wants to have it happen on 9-11, which, okay, but you figure if, if we need to get out, then let's just get out. I mean, there's just no reason to stay. Um, but at least President Biden is going to get our troops out of Afghanistan. And I think that's a good deal. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, frankly, what I wish would have happened is back in God, what year was it, 2011 or 2012, when American forces uh, were able to capture and kill Osama bin Laden? I wish that was the moment they would have said, Osama bin Laden is dead. <laughs> um, we have effectively killed the leader of al-Qaeda. We win <laughs> and then leave. That could have been an opportunity to declare victory and leave with your head held high. But we just kept staying mired in it. But at least he's pulling out of it. Now, ironically, Biden got us into a lot of these wars, right? He was a senator. He voted for the Afghan war. He also voted for the Iraq war. He voted essentially to give George W. Bush the authority to go to war in Iraq. So Biden, in some ways, has kind of led us into this path. But at least he's talking about pulling us out. But I think in a lot of cases, when we're in those situations, when we know that the solution that we ultimately want is just frankly not achievable. We've got to find a way to win within that current paradigm. And sometimes that means finding a way to go with the flow, but instead find a way to capitalize it and, and seek opportunity. Like in the case of my client who's going through a merger, well, sometimes that means, you know, knowing that you, you're not going to, in some cases, you may not win the battle. But if you understand the, the direction, the flow, and where the new leadership wants to go, it's just jumping on board and then finding a way to add value in a way that's still consistent with your own, with your own, in, with your own integrity, with your own values. But then sometimes, sometimes that's not possible either. Sometimes, sometimes you just need to hit the exit button. A great example of this is in the book, The Fountainhead, another Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand novel. Howard Rourke, one of the, you know, the, the main character, and he, he, he was an architect and he was essentially an artist and he had his own style, his own way of 
building, uh, of creating these buildings. And he could have he could have had the opportunity to win many successful contracts, but they wanted him to compromise his, compromise his values, and he wouldn't do it. Instead, what he did is he stuck to his principles. He, he valued his own integrity, and he, fa- he basically said, you know what? I'm just not going to do that. And he lost financially as a result of it, but he was still pure in his own convictions, and on a personal level, I think you could argue he won. But he knew that he couldn't keep fighting it. If he, if he kept fighting it within that current paradigm, he was going to lose. So sometimes you have to recognize that and understand you can go with the flow or maybe you just need to exit. But if you just keep fighting over and over again, sometimes it leads to nowhere. Another good example of this is here in my hometown of Poway. And... There's a lot of great people here in the city of Poway that are very involved in civic affairs. In fact, I call many of them civic activists. Many of them either currently serve in some leadership role, whether it happens to be on city council or on a committee or in some organization within the community. There are others that are very active in the community almost as for lack of a better term, the loyal opposition (laughs) that are essentially fighting City Hall. And in many ways, they may be very righteous in their fight against City Hall. They believe that they are on, they are ultimately on, on the side of virtue. But even for them, it's hard. And it's like rolling a boulder up a hill. Sometimes, as they say in that phrase, you can't beat City Hall. Sometimes you have to recognize that. And instead, you have to find another way. You have to find a different solution. In that case, what you really need to do is win the damn election. When people can do that, then they have an opportunity to change course. There's a number of other approaches to this. But, you know, when you're fighting those battles, when you're grinding and there's friction and it's a forced solution, Sometimes, yeah, sometimes addition by subtraction is helpful. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes it's a matter of picking and choosing your battles. Um, I, I, I even kind of another crazy tangent on this. I know with employees, you know, sometimes you have a problem employee and you're trying to resolve that, you're trying to coach them, trying to work with that employee, trying to mentor them. And sometimes that becomes difficult and there is no solution. One of the rules I remember learning is hire slow, but fire fast. Sometimes you have to fire fast in some of these cases. Um, But adversity plays an interesting role. Adversity is all about the challenges you face on the road. And in this case, yeah, dealing with this friction, this constant friction, it can be so difficult. Um, But there's a couple of other categories I want to discuss. This is kind of a little bit of a divergence on some of my other podcast topics, but let's talk a little bit about the idea of controlling what you can control. A lot of times, you know, we're dealing with adversity and things can be failing all around us, but they're not necessarily our own failure. They're things that are failing within the system or with other people, other organizations, that are failing all around you, 
but you don't necessarily have control of it. You know, really interesting one is just recently I, I got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for COVID. And I was so happy I did. In fact, it's been now eight days since I got the vaccine. And I feel good about that. But then guess what happened yesterday? News broke that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is now going to be put on pause mode. What does that mean? Well, that means that they found, I think it was six cases of people that had developed blood clots, one of which died, one of which was in severe condition, and the other four were being treated. They didn't know yet if it was the blood clots were necessarily caused by the vaccine. When I first heard this news, at first I was kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, I'm immediately paying attention. Wasn't freaking out about it because I knew there was nothing I could do. I couldn't really control it. But instead, I just figured, okay, I just got to do what I can do. Um, the more I learned about it, the more I realized there was no reason to freak out. The likelihood of being in a situation like this is, I mean, it's more likely I get into a car crash than I would actually get a blood clot and become seriously ill or die from this Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The reality is, is the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has made me dramatically healthier and safer as a result. And this unfortunate news that put the vaccine on hold or on pause mode, that's difficult in the quest here to vaccinate as many people as possible. But from my own perspective, I can only control what I can control. So I chose not to freak out about it, and I'm glad I didn't. And hopefully if you've had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, hopefully you're not freaking out about it either because the, the risk on it is minimal. But there are other cases like this where this idea of controlling what you can control. And I remember another time in my life I had great adversity was during the Great Recession. And gosh, I mean, it felt like the whole world was crashing around me. I had some of my clients were immediately, you know, uh, terminating projects that we were working on with them because um, it, it happened quickly when everything became very serious and the economy really starting to tighten up. Boy, in, the, in my world, it happened fast. And I had clients that were terminating contracts with me. I had other clients that were going out of business. And then I had other clients that owed me money and weren't paying and when you add all that up as a small little company, boy, I mean, that's like the world crashing around you because I still have expenses and commitments and things that I've got to take care of. But suddenly the amount of money coming in the door, like came to a, you know, not a grinding halt, but it, it slowed to a trickle. That's for sure. That was a difficult time. There are a lot of people then that gave up. They just declare bankruptcy and quit. There are a lot of others that kept fighting the good fight. What I, I did is I just figured I could only control what I could control. That's all I could do. I had to accept reality as, as it, for what it was. And I had to make some really hard decisions myself. Unfortunately, I had to let some people go. Um, it got to the point, I think when, right before the Great Recession, I think it was myself and six employees and then once we were in the middle of the Great Recession and, you know, a few years after the, you know, after the, the poop hit the fan, it was just me. 
and I was running my business on my own. But I found creative ways to get the work done. Instead of doing a lot of the work internally, I would outsource it and contract out segments of the work I did for my clients. Um, I would find creative ways to do things. I discovered new ways of doing business. I eliminated certain types of business that I took on. I decided to control what I could control. And while that was still an extraordinarily difficult time, I'm better for it. I am. Um, I proved to myself that I had abilities that I didn't really even understand. I understood I had. I had strength and perseverance, and I had integrity to do it the right way all the way through. And I'm really happy about that. But it was damn difficult. It was really hard. Because I'm, again, like a, you know, I'm basically self-financing this all on my own. And it was difficult, extremely difficult. But I could control what I could control. I was honest. I accepted the reality of it. And then I was determined and I was productive. And that's what got me through it. Um, Another interesting angle, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I want to talk about this because it is part of the current news. Do you hear Bernie Madoff died? And you might be thinking, who's Bernie Madoff? Or maybe you've heard that term, Bernie Madoff. Well, Bernie Madoff has been in jail now for, I don't know, about 10 years or so. Um, He created this huge Ponzi scheme. And he originally, I guess the story was, is that it was an investment fund and it wasn't intended to be a Ponzi scheme, but he was losing money. It wasn't working well. And then he was getting new investors, but he was using that money from the new investors to pay a return on investment to the old investors. And he got caught up in this Ponzi scheme that he could never get out of. And he made a lot of bad choices along the way as a result. Lots of people lost a lot of money. Um, In fact, I think even the owner of the New York Mets, if I recall, was one of the losers in that whole scheme. Um, There were a lot of famous people. They got sucked into this and they went down. Um, And Bernie Madoff, as a result, was found guilty on this Ponzi scheme, went to jail. He's been in jail now for, you know, I don't know, it's around 10 years. Um, And he, he finally passed away. And he re-entered the news. I'm wondering what, what what does this have to do with overcoming adversity, um, or at least controlling what you can control? Well, well, first of all, <laughs> besides the fact that Bernie's Ponzi scheme, I think, it was offering this insane return on investment. It was too good to be true, which is usually a good signal that you probably need to back off. If it's too good to be true, it's probably not true, and that was the case here. But what's interesting is, is that Bernie, I want to say Bernie Sanders, it's not, it's Bernie Madoff, um, created this Ponzi scheme, this Ponzi scheme that depended on new people to enter the system, to bring in new investments in order to pay the earlier investors. And he was rightfully found guilty in a court of law. He went to jail Many people lost money, lost tremendous amounts of money, and he was um, a villain in this whole story, as he should be. The crazy part about this is, is that you could argue that what the federal government is doing with Social Security is extremely similar to what Bernie Madoff did with his Ponzi scheme. 
you know, a lot of people like to think of Social Security as a case where you put money in, you essentially have your own little account, and when you retire, you get to pull money out because it's your money because you put it in. But the reality is that's not how it works. The reality is, is that the money you paid in in your 20s and 30s, that money's gone. It was given to old people. The people that are receiving Social Security today, the money that they put in when they were young is, is long gone. The money they're receiving now is money that's coming off of the backs of people in their 20s and 30s and 40s. So in many ways, Social Security is kind of like a Ponzi scheme where it is depending on the influx of new people to pay off the old people. And if you run out of new people, then the whole thing collapses. I remember when I was in high school back in you know, the late 70s, we, were, we, we, we did those pyramid schemes. Remember those? Where you would put in $10 and then you'd have to get two people that join you to each would put in $10. And of course, the people that got in early made all the money. But then at some point, it was difficult to get new people to go in, and then eventually the whole thing collapsed, and there were winners and losers as a result. And that's what happened with Bernie Madoff. But with Social Security, that's happening now. With Social Security, in about 12 years, they're not going to be able to pay what they promised because the trust fund doesn't have enough money in it. They've been borrowing from the trust fund to pay for the national debt. So I bring this whole story up in the notion of control with what, with what, control what you can control. You can't depend on Social Security. I mean, I hope it's there when I retire. But if you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, you hope it's going to be there for you. But you don't know. And you can't trust it. It might be there. It hopefully is there. If, if it's not there, it's an utter failure in the system. But we have to con- control what we can control. So I, hopefully we're all saving. And remember we talked about that in one of our previous podcasts about 401ks and, and pensions and a lot of other systems that people use to save money. Hopefully you're controlling what you can control so you don't face adversity in your future when you retire. Um. But I wanted to squeeze that in because I think Bernie Madoff's, you know, passing away is a very interesting piece of news because hopefully we all reflect on the misdeeds, the immorality of the pyramid or the Ponzi schemes that he created. And then I would really encourage you to ask yourself, how similar is Social Security to what Bernie Madoff did? And they're obviously not the same. But there's a lot of similarity between the two. Um, so, yeah, control what you can control. You know, so a couple of other mini chapters in this podcast episode. This is kind of a little bit different podcast episode from some of my other ones. But just a few things I kind of just wanted to share, things I was thinking about this morning. Um, dealing with contingencies is another adversity we may often face. I don't know if you... I'm sure you probably have these situations. Like, do you ever have a case where you really need to get a certain project done? For lack of a better term, we'll call it A, Project A. But in order to get Project A done, you've got to solve Problem B in order to get Project A done. And Problem B is this problem that popped up that maybe you were unaware of or was a problem that was out of your control. 
But then you jump in and you try to solve problem B and you realize there's a problem C that has to be fixed in order you can fix problem B in order so you can complete project A. <laughs> and there are all these contingencies that seem to get in your way from doing the thing that you want to do. You ever have that situation happen to you before? And obviously, when you're doing a project, there's going to be things you got to get done. But sometimes these unforeseen things pop up, things that are outside of your control, failures that happen with systems, failures by other people, maybe failures of your own that you just overlooked that suddenly pop up. I was dealing a lot, a lot uh, with this over the past week, um, working on certain clients for my certain projects for my client and discovering that I couldn't get certain things done because of a failure with a certain piece of technology that wasn't getting solved by the people in charge of the technology. Then once that was resolved, then we discovered there are other problems that need to be fixed and and so on and so on. Those situations can be so difficult, so nerve-wracking, because you know you're still on the hook to get your project done. And people don't want to hear all the excuses. People won't care about the adversity you faced. But we still have to deal with it. What do you do? How do you deal with these things? I, I used to sometimes get in a rage. I remember when I was younger, I did. I would go and try to find out what's going on and how come these people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and uh, kind of stern it up. And it doesn't make things better. Frankly, it makes things worse. Um, it doesn't solve the problem. It creates a lot of stress and anxiety. And it certainly doesn't encourage other people to want to help you <laughs> if you're if you're banging on their head. So, I mean, in those cases, I, I've learned a lot of things. I mean, I learned... You know, patience, <laughs> staying calm. Um, sometimes you got to jump in and resolve those contingencies yourself. Other times there's nothing you can do. And you ever hear the term hustle while you wait? That's another thing I try to do. I try to be really productive doing other things while I'm waiting. Um, because there's nothing I can do to resolve the wait problem. I'm dependent on someone else. So rather than getting worried and stressed and aggravated over it, I just dive in and become productive on other things, which then occupies my mind, keeps me focused on moving the ball downfield. And then when they eventually solve the problem, I can jump in and boom, boom, resolve everything and be on my way. But it's not easy. Other times, though, I've been in situations like that where The problem that I thought was a contingency, the thing that I thought was blocking my way, ended up not really being a problem. In fact, there was an alternative solution to go around it. I had to check my premises. I was making false assumptions. And that can only be realized sometimes when you are clear of mind. Another reason to be calm and patient so you can think these things through. But still, I mean, to me, this week, I've been experiencing adversity. I mean, like I said, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was kind of a deal for me with the news yesterday. Um, 
you know, my client is, you know, and, and the projects, my client's situation is there's adversity because of a merger. Projects that I'm working on for that client and for some of my other clients, I've been dealing with the contingency problem. You know, I need to get project A done, but I've got to resolve problem B to get project A to work. And I can't solve problem B unless I first solve problem C so I can solve problem B so I can get project A to work. I've had a lot of those kinds of situations in the last week. And it's sometimes hard to kind of grind through that. But there is a fourth case, and this is the one I really realized last night. I was watching that damn Padre game. You know, I love baseball. I love the San Diego Padres, and I'm so happy that they have got a great team this year. But boy, was last night's game just awful. Last night's game was, forgive the term, a shit show. (laughs) Um, The Padres ended up losing to the Pirates. I think it was, was it 8-4, I think was the final score. The Padres batters walked 13 times, and they had three guys hit by pitches. They, 16 people reached base on a free pass, and they only scored four runs. They left the bases loaded in four innings. Um, It was just, the pitching was awful on both sides. It was just a terrible game. And I don't know if you've had those days, kind of like what the Padres went through. You know, they got all the talent. They had a game plan. They had one of their best starting pitchers, Blake Snell, starting that day. They had all their main guys in the lineup. Well, Tatis is hurt, but they still have had a solid lineup. And boy, did it just turn into a disaster. Maybe you have days like this. Sometimes I do. And, you know, this is all about overcoming adversity, right? I mean, sometimes you just got to turn the page. Sometimes you just got to accept, man, this isn't the day. Uh, Sometimes you just got to punch out for the day, clear your mind, and then reapproach it the next day with a fresh mind, with a fresh set of eyes. I remember yesterday I was working on um, a presentation and my mind was just kind of frazzled and I just couldn't get it done. And I was just kind of grinding and pushing myself and essentially banging a square peg into a round hole. And I couldn't get my thoughts clear. And I was feeling friction and I couldn't focus. And so I just finally said, you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to just say, you know, today's not the day for it. I'm going to have to do it tomorrow. And I did. And it all worked out fine. But sometimes, yeah, it's like the Padres last night. You just got to recognize sometimes it's just not your day. And we can keep pushing and grinding, but sometimes that just creates more stress, more frustration, lack of sleep. Maybe you've experienced that. Sometimes I do. Um, but I'm getting better at sometimes just recognizing it's just not your day. And it's better just to, it's better just to call it a day and relax and get your mind clear because it has to start with a clear mind. If when your mind is clouded with anxiety or stress or any other kinds of emotion, particularly negative emotions, you're never going to be able to get to the place when you can be your best and you can never be as creative as you need to be 
to be a good problem solver. So I learned that along the way too. Now, you know, overcoming adversity, I mean, there's a million other categories of this, right? We can go down the list. But there was just a few that were just sort of on my mind today. And I just, I don't know, maybe it's therapeutic for me to share it with you in this podcast episode. But, and granted, some of my thoughts here today aren't as clear as they normally are, but um, because I'm just sort of venting. But I was just seeing certain things in the news today, certain things I was experiencing with my work, um, with my clients, with some of my projects, even watching the darn Padre game. And there is there are challenges along the way. And the challenges can be tough, but we've got to find a way to get through, right? We either got to find a way to either overcome the challenge or B, rethink the problem and find a new solution um, or C, find a way to kind of go with the flow, but still being true to your own values and principles. In other cases, we have to be patient and calm because we're depending on other people. And sometimes you just have to let them get their job done. And while we're waiting, we have to hustle and be busy doing other things. And then other sometimes you just have to say, you know what? I'm calling it a day. And I just need to relax and chill and just know that there's another day tomorrow. And I can reapproach it with a fresh mind, with clear eyes. And what's the the line from Friday Night Lights? Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. (laughs) Uh, So maybe that's what it takes is on the next day to have that clarity of mind. And then in my experience is when I've done that, great things happen. When I'm able just to acknowledge that today isn't the day, and then I reapproach it the next day with a fresh set of eyes and a clear mind, Suddenly, I can find solutions quickly. I can get through things much more, much faster. A lot of times I realize that the problem all along was me. The problem all along was the hurdles I was creating internally, mentally within myself. And once I allow my mind to clear, a lot of those melted away and I was able to go and go and blaze a trail right to the solution. It's amazing how sometimes yeah, sometimes the adversity you face is completely self-created. It's unbelievable. Okay, so I've got a couple of quotes here to share, as I always do on these, these uh, solo podcasts. Yeah, this is episode, gosh, 224. Wow. Amazing. Um, all right, so let's go. One of these quotes, I think this is a good one, from Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill is an author. He's very famous for writing, I think it was Think Think and Grow Rich back in the 1930s. Your big opportunity may be right where you are now. So that's another thing, is that sometimes when you're in those situations where there's great adversity, when there are problems and chaos and all kinds of kind of a mess maybe you see all around you, that's when opportunity usually exists. Boy, especially in the business world, if you're in a situation where there's just a, a lot of problems going on. That's a great opportunity for, for you to come in and find a new way of doing things that can put a feather in your cap, maybe lift you up in the eyes of your senior management 
lift yourself up uh, to really believe in yourself and build your own self-esteem. A lot of times where there is chaos, there's opportunity. And I think that's what Napoleon Hill is saying. Your big opportunity may be right where you are now. Right now when you're facing that adversity, that's where the opportunity is. That's a, that's a good line. Here's another one um, from J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series. She says, the knowledge that you have emerged wiser and stronger from setbacks means that you are ever after secure in your abilities to survive. Yes, I think that has a lot to do with self-esteem, right? So if you're able to emerge wiser and stronger from your setbacks, you're a better person. The adversity builds strength and character. Overcoming the adversity makes you better than you thought you were. It it helps you achieve, really, and understand how great you are and what your greatness really is. Yeah, great opportunities to build self-esteem during moments of adversity. And then finally, from Maya Angelou, the, the great poet, stand up straight and realize who you are, that you tower over your circumstances. So what is this? This is, I think, pride, right? Um, you're, you're better than you think you are. You're strong. You're capable. You have the ability to do great things. Stand up straight and realize who you are, that you tower over your circumstances. So I don't know what you're going through in your life. You know, this, this whole, whole last 12, 13 months has just been crazy, right? With this whole COVID, the whole COVID pandemic. We've had to learn to adapt and bob and weave and shift our practices, our way of thinking. A lot of people have faced great adversity during this pandemic. You know, people that have faced far greater adversity than I ever have, for sure. But in this last week or so, but especially in this last few days, there's just been a couple of just odd things, you know, that just all sort of happen, right? The Johnson & Johnson vaccine that I just got, when I was all excited about it, and then suddenly I found out, man, people were getting ill from it. And at first I had to, like, you know, investigate. Um, But I didn't let it get me down. Been noticing some things with my client. um, Been dealing with adversity with some of the projects I'm on. But especially, I think, with Joe Biden, I'm going to, you know, I'm not a Biden supporter, but I'll give the guy credit, finally, He's pulling out of Afghanistan. He's finally saying, you know, basically, this war is an unwinnable war. And there's no point in us trying to keep rolling this boulder up a hill. Now, there's a lot of people that are upset with him for pulling out of Afghanistan. They think it's too soon. They think they think the minute we pull out, there's going to be a problem. But you know what? First of all, they're probably right. The minute we pull out, there'll be a vacuum and then the Taliban or someone else are going to go in and assume power in our absence. But it doesn't matter when we leave, that will happen. If we leave now, if we leave in 10 more years or 20 more years, if we stay there for a hundred years, 
I mean, how long have the American forces been in Korea at the DMZ? It's been 70 plus years, right? Um, the minute we pull out, whenever that is, the vacuum is going to be filled, filled with someone else. So why not just pull out now? And frankly, President Biden, why wait till 9-11 when you could just pull out now? I mean, what's the point? Yuri Bolton says, yes, Halliburton. Yuri, I'm not sure what you're responding to. Um, Halliburton certainly enjoyed the Afghanistan war. That's something I've always thought about. Why in the hell the last 20 years? Well, clearly there were people making money on that war. We just talked about how they've spent roughly a a trillion dollars just on that war. When now they want to, you know, pass a $1.9 trillion infrastructure bill. We should be spending that money here at home, not using it to blow up and rebuild other countries. Um, Yeah, we should have. I don't know. I I think the Afghanistan war. I mean, I I think, you know, maybe in retaliation for 9-11, you know, maybe some air bombing, you know, just to take out some of those training facilities and make a point probably was appropriate. But sending in ground troops in Afghanistan, it just makes no sense. They weren't even the enemy. Um, And. It was a it was a war that we knew that if you were rational, you knew it was a war that was not winnable. But we still stayed there. It's almost like they were afraid to admit that they lost when really they had an opportunity to declare victory and exit the minute that Osama bin Laden was killed. That should have been the time to get out, if not sooner. But that definitely should have been the opportunity. But they still kept plugging away. Um. Yeah, so that's like the square peg round hole thing, right? That's like swimming upstream. Sometimes you just got to realize that you're not going to win those battles and you got to find a way to go with the flow and do so in a creative way that doesn't compromise your integrity or you just got to get out. And you have to say, this is no longer consistent with my values. I've got to get out. That's what we should have done in the Afghanistan war a long, long time ago. But we learn, you know, so, but anyway, it, it's still good news that they're going to be coming out and I'll, I'll give Biden credit for that sort of reluctantly, but I will give him credit. But again, I think I'll believe it when I see it, right? <laughs> um, President Obama promised he was going to get the troops out of Iraq in May of 2010. And it, he didn't pull them out until December of 2011. And then in the final years of President Obama's presidency, he was sending him back into Iraq. So, again, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, enough of this rambling. This is the John Riley Project. This is episode 224. We're talking about Joe Biden in Afghanistan and overcoming adversity. And thanks for listening and thanks for watching. And we'll see you Friday at 2. My guest is going to be Father Joe. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope you can join us. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.